Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Automotive Insiders Podcast presented by OESA. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, producer, host, and moderator. I'm very happy today to be speaking with James DeLine. He's a senior member of Kerr Russell, one of Detroit's leading law firms, and he chairs Kerr Russell's Automotive Industry Practice Group. Jim, and I hope he'll let me call him that, regularly represents foreign and domestic automotive suppliers conducting business in North America, and he advises them in all aspects of the automotive supply chain. Jim DeLine, welcome to Automotive Insiders. How are you today? Good, Bonnie. I'm fine. It's a pleasure to be with you here this afternoon. Very happy. I'm going to pick your legal brain here because that's we're in that time. We're in a pandemic time. We're in a time of a lot of business shutdowns. We're facing startups. There are a lot of issues on the table for the OESA members, and we really want to know your expertise. So let's just start out with a little background. I read your bio, but Jim, what is your involvement with the automotive industry? How did you get involved, and how long have you been working with automotive? Well, I've been representing automotive suppliers in the supply chain for probably over 25 years. Uh, I've been involved uh, for almost as long as I've been working at Kerr Russell. And so I have extensive experience uh, working up and down automotive supply chain matters. And Jim, involvement with OESA. I know you're doing a lot of work for them. When did your firm get involved with OESA? Uh, we've been deeply involved with the OESA for many years. Um, I've served on councils over the years um, serving councils as legal counsel to various OSA committees, attending OESA meetings, and providing um, general legal support for members who have legal questions for OESA. I bet it's interesting work, Jim. I, I bet working cars, automotive, it's such a fascinating industry, isn't it? Over the years, we've seen so many changes, developments, technology, digital. Uh, before we get to your expertise, has it been thrilling working with these suppliers and seeing where the industry is going over the years? It's been amazing. And one of the best parts about my job is every issue is different. You really never see the same issue twice uh, because the environment changes, the business changes, and every client seems to have a new and unique legal issue. Thank you very much. Now, let's get down to the meat of what we're going to be talking about today. This is what people really want to know. You're here to address the legal issues regarding the resumption of production after the stay-at-home order is released, and I suspect even before. So let's look back in time, 12 years, hard to believe it's been that long, to the 2008 recession. Given your experience with the automotive industry and the hardships that happened during that recession, what are the top lessons from that time in history, Jim, that can help today's suppliers manage their resumption of production during and hopefully soon after the pandemic? Let's unpack it for the audience. So, Jim, what's the first thing you would advise? Well, I would say, Bonnie, first and foremost, suppliers have to, number one, stay vigilant. And that can mean a number of things. But we learned that through the 2008-2009 recession is you have to stay vigilant with with your contract terms, with your customers, and with your suppliers. Okay, let's get down to the 
talking about contract terms, how do they review the key contract terms? What is most important right now at this time of, I'm going to say this time of optimism. Let's, let's make this a hopeful, positive thing. So Jim, what do they have to do to re- review the key contract terms? What are those terms? Well, Bonnie, first and foremost, I think it is, yes, it is important to know your key contract terms. And that means review your contracts. And you have to understand contract terms of of your obligations and your customers' obligations or your suppliers' obligations. So it's key that you understand all of your obligations and the obligations to you and and by you in the supply chain. Okay. What are the PPAP requirements? This is over my pay grade. You're using some terms here in the notes you sent me. Let's get down to details here. What does this mean? Well, there may be requirements in the contracts to, after such a long shutdown, to conduct a new PPAP testing of parts. Uh, everyone in the automotive supply chain understands PPAP testing is required to assure the ability to manufacture quality parts um, over time. And given the length of the shutdown, there may be contractual requirements that suppliers have to uh, comply with with respect to new PPAPs. Okay. Now, notice provisions Failure to comply could prevent recovery. What is a notice provision, Jim? Well, it's also important in reviewing your contract terms. Uh, Many of your contracts, both to your customers and with your suppliers, could have key notice provisions that are triggered by uh, the stay-at-home orders and the recent shutdowns. It's important that you know your rights, both in giving notice and receiving notice, because if you have to give a notice, you have to make sure you give that notice on time. If you don't, if you have to give a notice and you don't give a timely notice, it could impair your contractual rights and hurt your ability later on in a legal position. Thank you. Now, I'm pulling up my old familiarity with French. I wasn't a French major, but I spoke French for many years. And I'm reading a term here I want you to explain to me, but perhaps everybody in history will know. It's force majeure provisions. Did I say that right, Jim? You did, right. There's been a lot of talk recently about force majeure provisions. That's another key contract term that comes into play because of the stay-at-home orders. Uh, Force majeure is an excuse for you to not perform, to not ship product, um, and for your supply base not to ship product to you. So it's important to understand the particular requirements of force majeure provisions if they're in the contracts. All of the OEMs have force majeure provisions in their contracts, and most suppliers probably have them in their contracts. So If you have a force majeure provision in play, it's important that you read it, that you understand it, and that you comply with the notice requirements of the force majeure provisions. It's also important to understand that in the event of force majeure, your customer, if the clause is exercised, if you you choose to delay your performance and claim an event of force majeure, your customer may have a right to either terminate your contract or renegotiate your contract. So it's critical that you understand your rights under those provisions. Thank you. Let's move to delivery terms. This seems to me to possibly be a hot potato in terms of how staffed are factories, how ready are manufacturers to deliver and suppliers. So what about delivery terms? How important is it to review these in a contract, Jim? It's just as critical, uh, Bonnie. The industry operates on a just-in-time supply chain, so it's important to know your obligations to deliver to your customers and your suppliers' obligations to deliver to you so as to not interrupt that just-in-time delivery chain. And if you have certain delivery terms that you can't meet, it's important to reach out to your customers now. And if your supply base is telling you they can't meet your delivery requirements, it's important that you renegotiate those requirements. 
because failure to either side and any party in the supply chain to meet those requirements could have a catastrophic effect throughout the supply chain. And if you're going to renegotiate delivery terms, make sure you get that in writing because any agreements you have uh, have to be in writing to be enforceable and to be clear and understood by both parties. Tell me something, digital signatures, is that very important for getting things in writing today when people can't come into an office and use the proverbial blue pen? How, how would that work? And I know they're a DocuSign, Adobe Sign. Is that something that most businesses should be aware of? It is. Digital, digital signatures are recognized by courts today. And even in these circumstances, a, a simple email from a customer or from a supplier confirming an agreement can also be binding. So it doesn't have to be a formal writing, but it does have to be in writing so you can uh, later enforce the terms if necessary. That's important. So an email would substitute for a digital signature. Very important. That that sounds like something that the OASA should tell tell their members. Thank you. Glad I asked. Payment terms. It all comes down to the bottom line. You need to get paid. You need to keep the money flowing. That's the issue with a halted economy. So what about reviewing the payment terms? Any adjustments that should be made now for hardship, for stoppages? What's your advice? Well, it's important to keep your customers within the agreed payment terms. If you have a customer who is uh, troubled and uh, in distress, if the customer um, pays outside of terms, you may not get paid from that customer. There's a risk of bankruptcy. So it's critical to keep within the negotiated agreed payment terms. Um, if there's uh, an event of force majeure and the customer claims that they don't have to pay you on time, I think a lot of times courts aren't going to expect uh, force majeure to be enforced under those circumstances if the customer has already received product from you and all they do is owe you payment. Thank you. Let's move on to delays. I think you've covered a little bit. We've talked about force majeure a couple of times. Is there anything else about force majeure? Because I have a couple of more points I want to ask you about, Jim. Anything else in this this segment you want to mention? Um, no, not about force majeure, but I think that it's important to understand that uh, many supply co- contracts do not have sophisticated force majeure clauses. Mm-hmm. And in that instance, the law implies uh, clauses for delay. And the law that applies is the Uniform Commercial Code. And there's a provision in the UCC for commercial impracticability. So even if your contract does not include a force majeure provision, uh, you do have rights if your performance becomes impracticable. Some of the keys in enforcing those rights, though, are giving notice uh, as soon as you realize that there's an event that neither party could foresee. So um, you do have rights even if your contract does not include a force majeure clause. Jim, are these clauses going to be more important moving forward as what we'll call a new lesson learned, in your opinion? Absolutely. I think when new contracts are formed and when uh, clients of supply chain are drafting their terms and conditions, they're going to make sure that they broaden their force majeure provisions to account for events such as pandemics or similar events that could stop or delay production altogether. Thank you very much. Um, I see a couple more points here on the uh, delays that could be excused. You must give timely notice if you can't meet the customer releases and buyers may terminate or modify the contract. How important is either one of those, Jim? Well, it's critical critical to give notice. If you're going to invoke your rights either under a force majeure clause or your general UCC contract rights, it's critical to give notice of your delays. And the sooner you give notice to your customer, the better. And if you don't receive a notice from your suppliers, if your suppliers claiming inability to supply, the lack of notice may prevent them from exercising 
uh, legal delay rights. So notice is critical both up and down the supply chain. Okay, I have a couple of more points I want to cover. Payments from customers, you say keep current or face risk of preferential transfer clawback. Can you unpack that for me? Yeah, if, if your customers get outside of payment terms, if they're paying late consistently, that's a signal that your customer may be financially distressed. If that customer files bankruptcy, as some of them did in 2008, payments they made to you can be clawed back by a bankruptcy trustee. So it's important that you stay within payment terms and insist that your customers pay you within payment terms. Now, if they don't do that, there's a number of uh, legal uh, tactics you can employ. One of them is a very useful procedure called demanding adequate assurance. And that simply is having a lawyer draft a letter to the customer or to the supplier demanding assurance of their performance under the contract. And if they don't give you a written assurance within a specified time, it gives you certain rights uh, to proceed under the contract. Okay. Jim, I know we've covered a lot of material and I want to make sure we just get one or two more points in here. So why don't we wrap this up with what are your key points of reference, your key points of pay attention to these right now at this moment in time? We're doing this in mid-April 2020, so we're still very deep into shutdowns or delays into the pandemic. We don't know when the quote-unquote economy will open in full. Still a a question on the table. So what's your your parting advice to OESA members right now, Jim DeLine? Well, the key takeaways right now as we resume production is, number one, know your contract terms. Know the obligations to your customers and know the supply base's obligations to you. Once you understand the contract obligations, you can give the required notices if necessary and you can demand that your supply base do the same. It's also key during these times that if you negotiate a new deal, for example, new delivery terms, new payment terms, put those new terms in writing, in an email, in a document signed by both sides. Uh, Either case, make sure you have any new agreements documented in a clear writing. Jim DeLine, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for letting me pick your brain on behalf of all the members of OESA who really need to hear this legal advice. So important. Thank you. And thank you to your, your team at Kurt Russell for allowing you to spend time with me. I hear that you're going to be back talking with me again very soon for a, a couple more segments. Is that true? Yes, Bonnie. It's my pleasure. I look forward to it as well. Wonderful. Ditto. So on behalf of Automotive Insiders podcast presented by OESA, this is Bonnie D. Graham thanking Jim DeLine and thanking everybody at OESA for putting us together and be well, be safe, be smart. Have a great day. Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.